Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Ash London Podcast. What's this podcast all about? Well, like life, I'm figuring it out as I go. It'll grow and evolve as I do and as you do, hopefully. I want to figure out how to keep living my best life, even when it feels like the world is imploding. It'll be a little bit messy, emotional, confronting, and hopefully we'll be able to laugh about it along the way. I just had my first baby and every Tuesday, I'll be on a quest to figure out how to live my best mum life while keeping my career, passions, and dreams alive in the meantime. I call it New Mum, Who Dis? Well, hello and welcome to episode 14. Well, um, hello, welcome. A little update from Casa de Lundo first. Buddy had his paediatrician check-in this week, or today actually. He's put on a whopping 2.5 kilos since we left the hospital eight weeks ago. What a legend. All that feeding is paying off. My breasts may be getting saggier by the day, but it's worth it for that plump, healthy little dude. Okay, enough about my boobs. Let's get into today's episode. Today's guest is someone that I follow on the gram for a good dose of parental reality, which people like me who have got kind of toddlerhood and all that ahead kind of need to see. What started out as a blog following her trials and tribulations as a new mum turned into a huge community and later spawned a very exciting business. You may know her as The Real Mama. You may know her as Adele Barbaro. Now, the reason I wanted to chat to her in particular was because becoming a mum actually propelled her into her career as an entrepreneur. Today, you'll learn from her mistakes and her wins and hopefully be reminded that motherhood doesn't have to be the end of your ambition it can actually be the start of something. Hello, Adele Barbaro. Hello. Thank you for having me, beautiful. Of course. So I was trying to remember the first time I met you in person because we do have a personal relationship outside of the internet, thanks to a connection through your husband. It was at R&B Fridays <laughs> and it was on the back of a buggy backstage. We were getting driven through the backstage bits I was going to do a link on stage and you were doing a video blog. Batman Scoop was on there as well. I think he had my phone. <laughs> yeah, probably did. He saw you making condies like, Adele, I got it. <laughs> so for everyone listening, Adele's husband, Paul, works for Frontier Touring. So he kind of like pretty much runs the biggest tours in the country. If you've been to R&B Fridays Live, Paul is the one literally bringing it all together. Like, I don't know how that man doesn't have a mental breakdown once a year. Maybe he does and it happens at home with you. Yeah, it does happen uh, from time to time, but we'll just leave it at that. Yes. Um, I'm, the, I'm the one that, uh, yeah, that sees that side. What's interesting about my chat with you is that a lot of the women I'm speaking to today had a career, became mums, and then kind of kept it going. 
But your yeah. motherhood has really kind of influenced the way that your career trajectory has gone in a really authentic and awesome way, which I love. So let's go back to before you were a mum, maybe even when you were single before you'd even gotten married. And I want to hear about the kind of life you were living, the kind of future you imagined for yourself and whether if you'd taken a look into the crystal ball at the future and seen what had transpired, whether you would have been surprised. Absolutely surprised. I would never have envisaged that at the age of 38 that I would be doing what I do now. Um, When you look back at me in my early 20s, living an absolutely frivolous life, I only owned a backpack um, or a suitcase to my name. I took off out of Australia actually after a pretty bad breakup and I just went travelling. And without a care in the world, I, I started doing things like Kentucky tours and things like that. I lived in Spain and then I lived in Venice and lived in London. And after I did a Kentucky tour, I loved it so much, I wanted to become a tour guide. And um, I did, which was amazing. And I spent a couple of years going around Eastern Western Europe and seeing the world. And I seriously couldn't have cared about men. Didn't care, just wanted to have fun. And I was living paycheck to paycheck. That's what it was all about for me. Until my second to last tour, there was a funny um, guy actually on there named Paul. And you met Paul on a Kentucky tour and you were the tour guide? Yeah, right. Yes. Um, I was very professional on those tours, um, by the way, until I met Paul. And actually when I first met him, he had this, he had a bandana on, he had this blow-up penguin and he had an Australia flag <laughs> as a cape. And I, I was like, this guy is going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> And uh, he was, actually. Yeah. He was loud and over the top. And I was just, the first couple of days, I was like, I can't deal with this guy. Anyway, as the tour went on, you know how the cool kids sit at the back of the Obviously. Bus? Yeah, that was Paul. But as the tour went on, he kept closer and closer to the front and ended up sitting behind me for the last leg of the, the trip. <laughs> and I, I really, really fell for him. He was the kindest, most generous person And the more I got to know him, the more I just, I I fell for him. I really did. He stayed in London, cancelled his travels and stayed with me for about a week and we just hung. And then um, after he left, I knew, I just knew that he was, he was it. And I did one more tour, grabbed my suitcase, moved to Melbourne and uh, here I am. And I think it was only a few weeks together that I moved in with him. You know, we just, We were the same. Oh, I knew straight away. We, we bought a house together a couple of months later, got a ring. Like it was just like, and it was not a stressful, big, like huge, should I, yeah. shouldn't I, let's do the pros and cons and talk about it with everyone. I was like, nah. You just know. And I think we were both older as well. Like yeah. we both, and we both weren't really looking. It just happened and it was just so right. And, yeah, so we've, we've next to nothing to my name. I moved to Melbourne, moved in with him and, um, because I'd had a big travel background, I got a job just um, at SCA Travel, which is um, just as a, a leisure travel consultant. And then I moved into business travel. Um, and then I worked in business development in travel, which was um, looking after those that had travel franchises um, and coaching them to be the best agent. And uh, then after that was my final role here in Melbourne, where I looked after the travel and the blog and the personal brand of Janine Alice, who is the founder of Boost Juice. And it was the most incredible job. When I got the job, I said to her, and I remember saying to her, 
don't worry, there's no, there's no more kids coming or anything like that. And uh, it was literally three days before I started with her that I found out I was pregnant with Chloe. And, <laughs> and you, you know, Janine, like you see her on Shark Tank and all the rest of it and you're just like, oh, how am I going to tell this woman? Yeah. She's just hired me. Anyway, that was my final job and loved it until, yeah, I took the leap and left the workforce. Okay, so you've come back to Australia, you're in love, you've had adventures for a couple of years, you've seen the world, you know, carefree, living your best life, gallivanting around, and then you find yourself in one city facing the prospect of having to settle down. Was there any fear around that or feeling constricted or stuck or did you know that you'd had your fun, not that marriage or being in love isn't fun, but that it was time to kind of, you know, stay still? I think it just instinctually happened that way anyway. I knew that that was the man that I wanted to marry. Mm. And what I knew just from being brought up is that, that, you know, when you find that one, you get married and then the natural progression is to have children. And nothing made me feel like, oh, my days of travelling are over because before we actually got married and and had kids, we travelled together and we continue to travel. We've always got that. No one Um, travels more than you guys. You give me hope that when I have, when Buddy's a bit older, even now we can still have adventures because I see you guys like just pack up the car or whatever you need to do and you make a point of having adventures. And to me that is number one. Oh, it's so important. It's so important to us. I think there's no better education. Mm. And we want to show our children that as well. And, you know, if at the age of 18 they decide to travel rather than go to school, I'm all for it. I think that it's an incredible education. Do you remember when the two of you kind of decided that you wanted to start the journey of parenthood? Because for me and Adrian, it was like we walk around Bunnings one Saturday. You know, we'd been married a couple of years, living in Sydney, Travelled the world, done everything, and then we're walking through Bunnings and we literally just went to Bunnings because we were so bored that we were like, let's just go to Bunnings. So we're walking down the aisles of Bunnings and then Adrian just looks at me. He's like, I think we need to have a kid. Like this, surely this means it's time. When we're like, we've got, you know, nothing to do apart from just go to Bunnings and walk yeah. around and like, I don't know, buy a plant. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. So did you have a similar kind of like time where you both were like, all right, let's do this? It's quite traditional, really, how it all came about. That you know, we knew we knew we were going to get married. We we got engaged, joined bank account, you know, put everything together, got married, and we were literally going to start trying the day we got married, and that would be when we kicked off. Um, little did I know how hard it was going to be. Yeah, and- we think because we spend our whole lives trying not to get pregnant, and so we think oh, it's going to be so easy. Yeah, well, that was a shock, uh, a shock to the system. It's not that easy. Yeah, it, it's easy when you're 20 and, you know, completely fed up and you only have to, yeah, yeah you know, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> But, no, it wasn't easy and that came as a shock because that's what you envisage and that's what you're taught at, you know, that it's, it is just that's the progression didn't happen that way for us. Mm. And especially for you when you're, you've lived this life that really you've had a lot of control over, right? Like yes. I want to travel, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do it. I'm in love and I'm going to move home. I can do it. And I have the power to do that. And my yeah. life just follows the course that I want. Absolutely. But I suppose that's kind of the introduction to motherhood, isn't it? That that is, yeah. that's the Definitely. end of there's, there's, deciding there's, how it's going to be. There is no control. 
Otherwise, we'd all get a textbook and it would be really easy, but there isn't one and everyone's journey is so different. Yeah, and even when you get a textbook, it doesn't actually pertain to you at all when you read it. You're like, my, <laughs> no. my baby isn't sleeping six hours yet. Am I doing something wrong? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing what it says in the textbook. Yeah, right. It's, it's very, very true. Uh, but I had... Uh, this is a bit of a longer story, so I'll keep it short, but I had endometriosis when I was in my teens and I had multiple operations um, for that. And then I had um, birth control, the one that you pop in the arm. Oh, yeah. Um, so everything went away, which was amazing. And then when that expired, I popped it in the other arm. But little did I know that I actually had significant scarring to my endometrium um, from the last operation that I had. So when we got married and I had it taken out, I was like, right, let's do this. Um, my period never came back. So uh, that's when I realised something was was wrong. Um, yeah, and that's when the struggle with infertility began with us and it was really hard. It was really tough. Mm. I can't actually imagine how tough that would have been, but it has a happy ending. So tell everyone about the little man that initially made your mama. Yeah, little Harvey. Uh, so it was about a year after we started trying. We tried everything um, with our last resort being IVF. And um, we were one of the really lucky ones that first time IBS. Wow. We were lucky. Um, they did, a, did um, a procedure exactly like the one that got me into trouble um, to start with to do IBS. So they went in and they did the cure and everything like that and removed the scar tissue. We went in with IVF and it, it almost healed in there. Um, it was just incredible. And we were so, so lucky. Harvey came along, changed our world, and um, and I just can't put words to it. You mm. would know, you know, these words. It's, they change you. It's unbelievable. And when you yep. think back on those early days of, you know, again, another example of how much your life has now changed for the better, yep. what was it like? I mean, did Paul go back to work pretty quickly? Were you at home on your own? What kind of support did you have? How did you feel? How did you take to motherhood originally? Well, obviously we'd struggled with IVF and then when I went into labour, I didn't progress and, um, uh, well, I was actually induced and I didn't progress. So I felt like not only had I failed um, to conceive, mm. but I was failing at um, the delivery and what I knew as a natural birth and um, I ended up having an emergency cesarean, which wasn't the great start that I envisaged. I imagined candles and a water burden and <laughs> But we all imagine. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, and the baby's you know, going to come out and look at me and I'm going to just pull him up myself and put yeah. him on my chest and we'll be yeah. bonded forever because we did it. <laughs> just like the movie. <laughs> uh, it was, um, yeah, it, it wasn't a great start. So obviously I was recovering from that and Paul did go back to work very quickly. He had, um, you know, the, the time at home that I can't even remember now, like mm. the, the, the small chunk. Yeah, that, it's a couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't even think it was that. He was overseas within weeks of mm. me um, having Harvey and I had struggles with breastfeeding, with sleep, and I was like, okay, so I failed at this, I failed at that, I'm failing at this, and I felt I was definitely going through a depression. Yeah. And it's just not what I had expectations. They lead to disappointment, right? That it was not what I envisaged. And yes, I adored him and everything, but I was really, really struggling, especially on my own. Mm. And it was about, it was about maybe the four month mark uh, when Paul was actually going overseas as well that I checked into a mother and baby unit. Mm. Um, I was not coping 
and I was breaking and I felt like I was checking into the big fat failed mum's club and and I always knew that I, I didn't want to do any sleep training. I wanted a natural approach. It was very, very important to me. And I was so terrified about going in there. But turns out everyone in there were just like mums like me. They just needed a little bit of support. And all of the nurses in there were just like my mum. And it was exactly what I needed. It was and it was the best thing that I did. I learned things and they did a beautiful approach to supporting me and supporting Harvey. Would you believe you slept the first night that we were there solid? Stop right. It. Both of us did. Oh, well, that's what they told me anyway. <laughs> he slept but all I, night, Dal. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, he's done really well. It's, um, it was the best thing that I did wow. and I learned things that I was really doing. I was doing things really wrong as well. I was missing sleep signs and things like that and, yeah, um, but then things got a lot better after that. That is so brave because I think it is better now thanks to people I think like you who are really out there showing the kind of reality of what parenthood, motherhood, life, womanhood does look like and it, it is getting easier. Yeah. But, my God, when you there's so much of me relates to you when you say that you can't do so you feel like a failure. I feel like I don't even – I found – I struggled to use the word give birth because I thought, well, I had a C-section. I didn't really give birth. But, of course, I've fucking given birth. I've just, like, built a child for nine months and, had, you know, had major surgery to bring him into the world safely. We are so hard on ourselves and we want everyone, we don't want anyone to look at us and pity us or think that we're not nailing it. So for you to, oh, exactly. I I couldn't do it. I didn't ask for help. And so, so how did you get to a point from of I don't want to ask for help to shivers, I really, really need some help? I broke. Yeah. I, I completely broke. Um, and I, when I enrolled for the mother and baby unit, there was weeks, weeks and weeks wait. Oof. And I remember ringing them and I pleaded and I just said, I, I, need, I need help, please get me. And I think I was in within two days after that phone call. Mm. Um, but... I think I just tried so hard just to get it right and perfect mm. and then I imploded. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So when number two comes along, I'm hoping that it was a very different experience. Completely different. So I was actually in a really bad job um, where I wasn't supported as a mum in any capacity. Mm. I was actually demoted in my position <gasps> after I had Harvey. It was really not good. Uh, that's another story. Um, but we were trying and it wasn't working out and we knew we had this distinct feeling that we would have to do IVF again. Mm. And Paul said to me, you're in a bad place with work at the moment and we need to get you out of there. And mm. I don't think it's the right time to be trying and going through IVF again. It was hard enough the first time. So 
He said, resign from that, get a job that you absolutely love, which I did, and um, we'll look at it again in a year or so. You know, get yourself there, set up, then you'll have been there nearly two years when you go on mat leave again, do the right thing by the employer. Um, so that's what we did. I resigned. I got the, the job with Janine, who is the founder of Boost Juice, um, but not um, look like as a PA for her when it comes to Boost Juice. It was a PA for her as, for her, as her brand. Awesome. And it was incredible. I didn't actually know it was with her. I knew it was with the directors of Boost Juice and Retail Zoo, and I didn't know until I actually went to the interview that it was her and her husband. And, yeah, it took me by surprise. But I remember, as I was saying in the interview, saying we went for a lot of a hard time to have my son now. There's no babies in the near future, and I just wanted to give you that assurance. And, yeah, it was literally a couple of days before I was like, my boobs, my boobs are really sore. And anyway, I did a test. And I remember Paul was feeding Harvey. So this was the, this was the Saturday before the Monday I was going to start this. New oh, month. my God. And I did a test and it was positive. And I came out to Paul and he was feeding Harvey at the kitchen table and I showed him and he was like, you're fucking joking. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pregnant. And he's, he said, you can't, you can't be. And I said, well, I am. And it wasn't that, oh, my God, that was amazing. He actually went. I need to check our budget. That was one of the <laughs> things he said. He's, Classic he, Paul. No, Paul, I need to get my budget out. And then when we got over the shock of it, like, what about your new job? What about this holiday, this non-refundable trip that we've booked that's going to be right when it, once we got over that, we were like, wow, that happened. We're pregnant. And I don't know what it was. There's so many thoughts around how that happened. Maybe it was because the pressure was off. Mm. And I resigned from something that was, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. Uh, and I was in a happy place. Maybe it was because the, the first full-term pregnancy rejuvenated my, my problems. I don't know what it was, but we were so lucky. And um, along came little Miss Chloe. And, yeah, I just, we just felt complete after oh. that. And how did you approach that with Janine and Jeff? Like if, like, you know, because you, you're a very open person. You didn't have to even tell them in the interview, I'm not having kids. There was no, there's no legal expectation for you to do that, but you did it anyway because, yeah. you know. So what did you do? How did you tell uh, them? As you know, I'm very frank. I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm very to the point, but this one was difficult. But I did the right thing. I told them before I told my mum. I waited until there was... Um, heartbeats and I never forget the anxiety that day because you just you I hadn't had a I didn't have a relationship well with them I did yeah. only five weeks that I'd been there or six weeks and I remember I went in and I told her just got something I need to tell you and when I said it I she she said this is amazing and I let out this mate this dinosaur noise it was like this I don't know what it was but I I was like oh <laughs> This, this, I'll never forget it. This dinosaur noise came out, and I just was crying. And she said, "This is a miracle. This is this this is this is incredible, and we will support you." And just like Harvey as well, um, with Chloe, I only had six and a half months, seven months off on that leave with both kids, and was straight back to work. Um, for, for, because I wanted to have a career but also financially yeah Uh, so it was a short mat leave they were incredibly supportive I came back in a flexible fashion I gave her and Jeff 120 percent and in return they gave me 
my motherhood while I worked mm. and that polar opposite to the job before. And, yeah, they were just they were incredible. That's so beautiful and so healing. In so many ways it feels like your second experience with the conception, with bringing her into the world with the job was very much a healing process for the opposite that had happened the first time around. Absolutely. I mean, I know you now as this firecracker on Instagram who's, you know, a mum that so many people follow and love, but you're not this person yet. So how did you transition from working for them, Chloe's come along and you've gone back after mat leave to then really like making money off the internet? Yeah, well, this, this blog started as a diary and it was just a diary on Facebook Um, And it was mainly because all my family's interstate, my friends were all interstate. And I started writing when I was in the mother and baby unit. And that's pretty much where it all began. Ah. That was, it it never had an intention except for that I wanted to show what I was really going through. Remember, I used to have the name, the real mama. Mm. That's what it was all about. I wanted to show what it's really like. Mm. And, you know, in a world of pretty Instagram, um, it wasn't like that for me. So that's how it all began. And it it, 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 it was ne- never the intention that this blog would become what it is today. And it just happened naturally. I, I wrote a few posts that, be, that got a viral nature about them and they were always about motherhood. And um, I remember saying at one point, oh, Instagram, I'll never need that. And now it's on both. And, yeah, it's it's just it's become something I'd never imagined. Um and it's, I feel I feel like it's such a beautiful community. Like yeah. the, the people that I've met through it and the connections that I've made have been therapeutic in itself. It's been therapeutic to use it to write mm. um, and to connect with other mums and to share my experiences. But, um, you know, a lot of people say your blog helps me so much but they don't know how much they help me too. With every comment, with every message, it's been incredibly, yeah, it's, 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 it's fantastic. Mm. But you've done more than just create a community and do some sponsored posts. You really turned this into a new career for yourself. You are an entrepreneur. You're a businesswoman. Not many people are able to really take on what you've taken on, let alone with kids and with a community and all this stuff. So talk to me about when you decided to actually go into business because I love this. You could have been like, I've got a community of mums, I'll make books about motherhood or I'll do bibs. But you were like, no, booze, which I'm so hot for. So talk to me. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, firstly with the with the blog because the booze and the blog are a little bit separate, but the, the blog, the sponsored stuff came to me. I yeah. didn't go searching for it. I'll never forget um, one of the biggest posts that I did was the struggles of getting Harvey to take the bottle. And I was going back to work and he wouldn't take the bottle and it was a nightmare. And I tried everything. And it wasn't until we got a Tommy Tippy bottle and went on holidays and my mum said, just let me have a go. He took it. And I was just in disbelief. And it was literally a week before I was going back to work. So Tommy Tippy saw that I was writing about it and they were like, we'd love to send you some products. And I was like, ooh, what's this about? I'd love that and I've got I've got about six bottles and some stuff and I was like this is all this is all right um and then it was maybe a few months later that Huggies actually came to me and um they asked if I'd like to try their new wipes out and I was already using them 
And I said, I love them. They're terrific. And they said, well, if you would like to share it with your community, we'll, we'll give you $50. And I was like, I've made it. <laughs> I've made it. Paul came home from work. He's like, why are you smiling? I was like, well, you know how we've got wipes in the budget. We can take them out now. <laughs> I'm bringing the bacon, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear my baby crying. I'm just going to go and get him and I'm going to breastfeed while we do this. Give me one minute. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. Love it. <laughs> My husband, the dog, the baby on the boob, and me, we're all here. You are, you are incredible. Hello, how are you? Hi, Can you put the headphones on my head? You're amazing, Ash. Look at you. Can I just say the Huggies wipes are good. We decided using them with the coconut oil ones, and they're the only wipes that when you pull one, just one comes out, not 4,000 freaking wipes. They don't break in half when your fingers go through them. The worst. So you've um, got the Sponos coming in. You've made 50 bucks. You're feeling good. At this point, are you like, I can make a business out of this? Like this, I can, you know, this could be my career or is it still just something you're doing for you and for yeah, It was just for me and I was still at work and, um, you know, my, I was, uh, the, the blog was, was, it was a hobby. Yeah. Um, it was a diary. It was lovely. And, yeah, there were some little perks that came along. Um, but it wasn't. I was working with Janine for about three years and obviously you're in an environment where you, you, I was behind the scenes with Shark Tank. I was yeah. businesses and learning the intricacies. That makes of, sense. Yeah, it was, it was a, she was a huge um, inspiration to me. But, you know, seeing these businesses and learning about numbers and learning about all the important things um, about them, it's, it, it's, it got me thinking and I remember saying to Paul, I really want to start my own. He said, well, the moment you've got a concept, we'll, we'll, we'll go for it. I'll support you in any way. Awesome. Anyway, I kept coming up with these ideas and all the rest of it and I'd float it with Paul and we'd, get, we'd go, nah, it's not quite right and I'd just keep, keep going until one day and we had all of these um, friends over for lunch one day and they all work in hospitality. So they were talking about the, the legs of the wine and how it matched perfectly with the prosciutto and all the rest of it. And I turned to my best friend and I said, I wonder if there's a wine that matches well with the two weeks of washing that I've got to do. <laughs> I just made a joke and I was like, the, you know, AM coffee, PM Prosecco. You nice. know, we were talking about funny things about motherhood and, and wines. And that's when um, it all began. When they went home, I said to Paul, I would love to start just a fun, cheeky label, um, you know, for all about motherhood. So you can just have a little giggle and, you know, have a, a wine at the end of the week with your bestie. And, this and is what we all want. You know, or one of those days, rosé, yeah. you know. Love and, that. Yeah, so that's where it began. I remember putting in my notice and I think that I finished in November 2018 with Janine and she was like, go for it. What like, a legend. Oh, she was like, this is amazing. You've got my back. Go for it. Take the leap. And that was scary. Like going, it was huge investment, yeah. a ridiculous investment to begin. Are we nervous? Like the night it goes live, are you like, no one's going to buy it? Absolutely. It's going to be a failure. And then obviously it wasn't a failure. So talk to me about the the moment where you're like, I haven't fucked up our life. Yeah, it, um, it was really well received. I, um, I think I started with about 2,000 bottles of wine and amazing quality wine. Um, it is good wine. From around Australia, you, you would know. You, you're the face of one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, 
it was beautiful wine, but I, I learned a lot about, I learned a lot from the start. Like I was cutting corners and trying to save money in the beginning by myself. Yeah. So instead of running all these 2,000 bottles through a machine and having them labelled uh, with all of the funny labels that I'd come up with, I did them all by hand. Oh, darling. Biggest mistake I've ever made in my whole career with this business. <laughs> it was I thought I'd knock that out in a couple of oh, days. So you're stuck with 2,000 bottles that need labelling and, of course, you would have felt so yeah. stressed and overwhelmed. So stressed and overwhelmed. And it was, I remember, it was in one of those storage sheds, um, you know, in the big Kennards yeah, things. Yeah. No electricity, no, no. no air conditioner, oh, 40 me, Just me going, I've made a mistake. <laughs> I should what have I done? And there was a day that I had to go back to um, to Janine and um, to train the person who was uh, going to be taking my position. And I hired some help for that day and they put the wrong labels on the wrong bottles and I had to I had to take them off. You know that orange oil? No, darn, no. And every label cost a dollar and I, I, I – I'll never ever forget it. Probably the biggest. That's when I learned you have to. You have to. You know, only you will yeah. take as much care in it's what you're true. doing. So yeah, don't cut corners to yeah. cut costs as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's just growing from strength to strength. Not just wine, but now spirits and um, and cocktails and. But give people an idea of how much. It's not like you've gone from two thousand bottles. Took a little bit more now. Like it sells out every time. For people that don't know, give them an idea of how successful this baby's been. Yeah, it's been incredible. We've had um, over ten thousand orders now. Um, ten thousand people have cl- have gone onto their computers, got out their credit card, and said, "Yep, yeah, I'm going to pay money for this product." That's amazing. It is, and it, it is incredible. And uh, I. I it, to see that it just started in 2000 with 2000 bottles in a little storage shed to now having a warehouse and you know multiple SKUs, it's um yeah it, it, it does make me quite proud i took a leap it was scary mm. it was really scary and i was worried and but i had paul paul just went you'll you'll do it you'll awesome. smash it and i've got your back and he supported me every step of the way from leaving work to the to the huge investment at the start yeah. and you know with business it, it, you 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 have to be able to make money to be able to reinvest back into the business yeah. to be able to keep growing and growing so each release gets bigger and bigger and continues to sell out and but i've got to the stage now where i've been able to put some of the biggest products on there permanently it takes time to get to that yeah um but i'm there now which is really amazing cool. and if there are women listening who where you were when they had just a little seedling of an idea for a business or a passion or something that they want to do, what would your advice be Biggest for them advice, to get going? Do your research first. Absolutely do your research first. Know the market. Know it inside out. Find the gaps. Mm. What What's the point of difference from what you're doing from someone else because it has to be and then yeah. that, that's your biggest focus as well. Um, you've just got to know. You've got to know what's out there and um and it's very, very easy to just go, I love this idea, I really love doing this and and launch it. But there's a lot of research, I think, that goes behind the scenes before you even kick off and um, knowing your audience well as well. And when it comes to the business side of things, this is the thing that I struggle with the most is numbers. Mm. You have to know them. You have to know them. And it's one of the things I always put off. I'm like, oh, budget. Oh, yes. 
you have to know every cent intricately in your business mm. for it to be a success. And lastly, what does it mean to you for your kids to see you totally following a dream and a passion and being your own boss? Because when I think about that with little Buddy, for me that's like the best thing in the world. I want him to see his mum working hard and being happy. Isn't that right, little Budweiser? Are you done with the milk or you want some more? Continue, my love. Okay. Uh, you know, when I left work, it wasn't just about um, starting a business and going out and, and, and doing that, but it was also about having more time with my kids. Yeah. Both of the times that I had children, I went back to work so early. And, you know, sometimes I regret that. I wish I'd taken the year. I wish I'd done it longer, but we couldn't mm. at that time. So when I started that business, not only was it about, you know, having control of my own destiny, but it was also having more time with my children. And, and I worked far more. Yeah. I absolutely worked more, more hours than I ever did. I don't go to work now and clock off at five and come home and don't yeah. think about things anymore. But I made that choice so that I can be there for school pickup mm. and I can go along to the sports carnival and, that means that I work at nights and, you know, I, I do the hours when I want to do them, which is fantastic to have that flexibility. And a lot of what I do is at home. So they see mum working. That makes me proud. Like when they say, "What are you, why are you popping upstairs? Mom? Well, I have a meeting and, yeah. you know, that, that meeting, that's how we make money and that's how we get to go on holidays and all the re- it, it, it makes me proud. It makes me proud okay. that they see mum working as well as, you know, running the home. Yes. Well, I think it's so wonderful. I think a lot of p- women listening especially, I think, will be really inspired and have some practical tools to, you know, make their own dreams come true. And I think, you know, you should be so proud, and I'm sure you are, of the life that you've built for yourself. And it might look different to how you planned, but I bet it looks a whole lot better. So... Thank you so much for sharing your story and for being a legend. Yeah, you're an absolute legend. Thank you for having me. It's been really lovely to chat. Big love to Adele for joining me this week. She told me she was super nervous about doing the chat. And I understand that um, it's not exactly a natural thing to do for a lot of people, but I think we can all agree that she nailed it. You can follow her on the gram at Adele underscore Barbaro. This Thursday, uh, we welcome my fake radio nemesis, Mitch Turi, to the show. I say fake nemesis because our radio shows used to be on at the same time on opposing networks, but somehow we became really great mates in the process, which is kind of rare in radio, I've got to say. Mitch talks about coming out, levelling up in his career, and we share some hilarious behind-the-curtain stories of celebrity interviews. Um, It's a really great chat that really made me um, realise more than ever how talented this young fella is. The future of radio is safe, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you tune in to that one. Um, it's dropping Thursday, 6am. If you like today's episode and want to support the project, I would love it if you'd subscribe and leave a review. But more importantly, I want to hear from you. You can shoot me an email anytime with questions, guest suggestions, feedback, whatever. Hello at ash.london. Big love. Audio production on the Ashlanded podcast is by Dom Evans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 